One of the great friendships in American history was between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, our second and third presidents. They were very different men. John Adams born near Boston, a short, sort of plump man who was always ready with an opinion, was usually loud, was usually very direct, a farmer, a man who was educated at Harvard. Thomas Jefferson, tall and lanky, much more quiet, much more reserved, a man educated in Virginia, a planter, owned huge swaths of land, very different men who became acquainted during the time of the Continental Congress when we were getting our freedom from England. And then also that, fellow, that uh, friendship began to bloom as they were both sent to Paris and had some lazy days there, sort of uh, spending time cultivating relationships with the crown of France. Uh, hoping that they could create an alliance against Great Britain during the war. That, that friendship began to even grow further as they came back, and, and the country had a new government. 1787, the Constitution was ratified, and, and Adams becomes the first vice president. But, but as they begin to govern, things changed. They began to see things differently. The election of 1796 when Adams defeated Jefferson and then the election of 1800 when Jefferson defeated Adams sort of drove them apart because of the way that the campaigns were conducted and because of the name calling and the ugliness of a, an American presidential campaign, if you can imagine that. And so from 1800 forward, they didn't speak. No words passed between these two great men, again, the second and third presidents of our country. It wasn't until 1812 that a mutual friend named Dr. Benjamin Rush wrote to both of them and sort of basically said, hey, listen, you can at least talk. And Adams wrote Jefferson sort of a kind letter that opened the relationship. And though they never saw one another again, there's this correspondence that passes between the two from that point throughout the rest of their lives where they talk about just anything there is, farming, politics, government, family, marriage, literature, law, whatever you can think of, they talked about in these letters that we still have today. And that correspondence continued until both of them, as many of you will know, passed away on July 4th, 1826, the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, of course, which they both signed and Jefferson wrote. Many of us think about a friendship like that and sort of wish, and I, I wish I had something like that in my life. I wish I had a relationship with someone else that was that open that we could pass ideas and maybe if there's a breach sometime in the relationship eventually it will be healed and there will be a sense of community and openness and we wish we had that but but it's not easy, not easy to come by we don't often have that kind of relationship but we need it we need people in our lives that we can share with we need community and the truth is we need something more than those two men had because they didn't see each other for decades after they both left office. We need people that we can share life with. And the truth is, in our culture, in which oftentimes families are being separated by great distances, some of you are fortunate that you have a lot of family here in town or even here in this room today, but many don't. And because our families are separated, we don't spend time with them on a daily, a weekly basis. We may talk to them on the phone, but, but it's a different world. And because of that, we need some friends to share our lives with. 
What does that look like? And how do we form those kinds of friendships? Because it doesn't always seem like it happens like we want it to. Today we continue in the series, actually we're going to bring to a close, the series that I'm calling Connect. And we've been talking about pursuing healthy relationships. And, and up to this point, it's all been about family. It's been about how we relate to our parents, our spouses, our children. And we brought some other ways in, in the family that we relate. But, but today I want us to take a little turn. Not so much about family, but about friendship. Because that really is so important to our lives, the friendships that we have. And what does scripture have to say about pursuing healthy friendships? Again, we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs great practical wisdom that we find there that speaks to lots of things, including many passages about family, but also some about friendship. And we want to turn today to Proverbs 18, verse 24. It's the last verse in this chapter. And it goes like this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Well, that rings true, doesn't it? As I've said, Proverbs are sort of principles, not promises. They tell us how life works, especially if we're the kind of people who are pursuing God's path for our lives. And and we can look at that proverb and say, you know what, I've, I've seen that at work. I've seen that happen. I've seen relationships like that in my own life and in the lives of the people around me, maybe my kids or other friends. But you know, this passage is, it seems pretty straightforward as we read through it, but that first half, Uh, that says one who has reliable friends soon comes to ruin is famously difficult for people who know Hebrew, and I'm not one of them, but, but they will tell you that it is a very difficult passage to translate. In fact, it seems like something's missing in the first part of that verse. Because if you just have the Hebrew words, they don't all fit together. And so translators have worked really hard to figure out what did the original writer mean here. And some have said, well, really what he's saying is... <clears throat> And you can see this reflected in, if you have a New American Standard Bible in front of you or an English Standard Bible, uh, English Standard Version Bible, it will say something like, there's a person who has a lot of friends, or too many friends can cause trouble. Now that begins to make sense, right? You can have lots of friendships. I mean, you can have dozens, even hundreds of friends. You might have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but how well do you know those friends. You can have lots of relationships where you know their name and you know where they're from and you know where they work and maybe you know their kids, but but you don't really know them. It's an acquaintance, but is it really a true friendship? Is this someone that you're actually sharing life with? Is this someone who depends on you in any way or you depend on them in any way? Is this a person who if you were in some kind of trouble and needed someone just even to talk to, you would go to this person? And we know, man, you can have a lot of those acquaintances and none of them be friendships. And so the writer of Proverbs is reminding us That friendship is more than just sort of knowing faces and being able to put a name with that face. It's deeper than that. Now, it it could also be translated much like we have here in the NIV. You can have unreliable friends. You can have a lot of people that you know that are not friends, but you can also have some people you call friends, and they're not really friends at all because they're destructive. You can have people in your life that you call a friend, but when the time of trouble comes, they're not around, right? 
Ever have a friend when you were a kid and, you know, they sort of say, hey, let's go do this. And you're like, man, we could get in trouble. I don't know about that. No, no, come on, let's go do it. And then you do it and suddenly there's an adult there. But your friend is no longer there, right? That's what we're talking about here. A friend who's quick to talk, quick to act, quick to get you in trouble, and quick to disappear when there comes a difficult time. When you need help, they're not going to be around. And that's not much of a friend. So the writer of Proverbs says friendship is more than that as well. So what does friendship look like? And we see that picked up in the second half of the verse. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, there is real friendship. There's the kind of friend who, when the difficult time comes, that's when they show up. That's not when they disappear. When they hear that you're in trouble, they don't go the other way. They come to you and say, how can I help? What can I do for you? How can I make it better? Let's talk about this. Maybe if they're a Christian, they would say, let's pray together about this. That's the kind of friend that we should value as Christians. That's the kind of friend that we need as Christians, the kind of friend that this passage really is talking about. It all goes back to community. It goes back to having someone to share life with. So that when there's something great going on, you have people that you know so well. They're the very people that when something awesome happens, Like you want to call them, you want to send a text message, you want them to know because, you know, their reaction's not going to be jealousy, their reaction's not going to be sort of who cares, their reaction is going to be, they're going to be as happy about this as you are. Because it's that kind of friend. Your welfare is important to them. And when something awesome happens in their life, you don't say, man, I wish that had happened to me. Or, man, this is really not fair because they don't deserve that. What you're going to say is, man, I'm so happy that this event actually occurred. I'm so happy that things worked out for him or her. Because this is my friend. And when a difficult time comes, when there's a sickness, a diagnosis, a death, a loss of a job, whatever it is, you know, this is not a friend who's going to be too busy. This is going to be a friend who's going to sit down and talk and encourage and be willing to walk with you through the difficult time. The lesson here is this. Real friends can be as important as family. Now, when I say that, I don't say it lightly. I think for a lot of us, family is hugely important in our lives. We spent three weeks talking about that. We've talked about how valuable family can be to us and how those are relationships that last our lifetime. So when I say that, I'm not saying family's not important. What I'm saying is, for some of us, because we are separated from family, our friendships become how we share life. Our friendships become hugely important to us because those are the people that we spend our time with. Those are the people that we see. Those are the people that we encourage and the people that we need to encourage us. Those friendships can be as important to us as family relationships. Now, what do we do with that? You know, we can't share life with everybody. We can't be close friends with everybody. Can't even be close friends with everybody in this room. There's too many people, much less the other service, or your friends at work, or school, or wherever else you may have. So how do we decide 
who we're going to share our life with. How do we decide that, man, these people are so important to me, it's almost like family. And our parents always taught us, right, be careful who you choose to be your friend. Careful when you're choosing your friends. The problem with that advice is we don't always choose our friends, do we? I mean, friendships are not always something that we can program and say, hey, I'm going to be friends with this person. It just happens sometimes, right? I mean, we don't even exactly even know when is the moment that we became friends. If you look back on a relationship that's mattered over time, what was the moment at which we became friends? Well, it's hard to identify, isn't it? Because it just sort of happens over time. And we may work to pursue a friendship and a relationship, but we can't necessarily program a connection with another person in that way. So how do we deal with this? Because, you know, I mean, the truth is a friend can have a really negative impact on us. That's the part about the beginning of this passage. Somebody who's got the wrong attitude, the wrong approach to life can take us down that path with them and it can be destructive. Well, even though we can't necessarily program friendship, we can cool a friendship, can't we? I mean, we can look at the patterns in a friendship and say, this is not good. When I'm around this person, I'm not like I am anywhere else, and it's really negative. I don't like the person I am with this person. When I'm with them, I don't like who I am. I don't like the way I talk. I don't like what I do. I don't like how I feel about everyone else in my life. I don't like about how I feel about God. I don't like how I feel about church. And so we may need to say this is not healthy and begin to push back from that. So we can't always control how the friendships begin, but we do have some control over whether we pursue that friendship. We don't have to pursue dangerous friendships. Now, a couple questions I think we need to ask ourselves. First, what kind of friend am I going to be? Okay, some of this has to do with us, right? So we need to look in our lives and say, okay, what kind of friendships have I developed? If I look back on my life, all right, do I have lots of friends that I never really get past the surface level with? Am I bad about just knowing so many people and never really sharing life with anyone? Because, you know, usually there's a pattern here, and the pattern has a lot to do with me, with you. So we look on our lives and say, what kind of friend have I been? Is that the kind of friend I want to be? Have I been the person who's sort of pulled people in the wrong direction? Or have I been the kind of person who has encouraged people in the right direction? So what kind of friend am I going to be moving forward? And even though we can't program relationships, again, we can cool the ones that we know are not constructive in our lives, but we also know, well, I've got to open myself up a little bit. Maybe, maybe we sort of keep a wall because we're a little afraid. Maybe we've had some friendships that have been negative, some friends who have abandoned us in moments that we really needed someone to be there. And because of our fear, because of our skepticism, we've sort of built something up so that people can't get very close to us. So, 
Are you going to begin to take that wall apart so that you can develop friendships that really do matter? So that you can develop friendships that get past the surface level? Maybe you look in your, in your own past and see, well, I've had a lot of friendships that they started off really good. But if we're, if we're truly honest, we look and we see, well, there's a destructive pattern there. Because when the going has gotten tough, I've been the one to walk away. I've been the one who, and I'm not willing to, to sacrifice for our friendship. And the truth is, every relationship requires some sacrifice. If it's going to matter, it's going to require some sacrifice. We're going to have to give something up. That's part of what a connection with another person does. And maybe we look back and realize that we have never been willing to give up what it takes to have a healthy friendship with someone else. So we have to realize it's time to change. So that's the first question. What kind of friend am I going to be? And the second one is, what relationships will I invest in? If you're thinking today, someone other than your spouse, if something went wrong today, who would I call? Who would it be? Get that person in your head. Maybe there's a blank space there because you're not sure. Maybe you get someone in your head and you go, well, you know what? That's, that's the person I would call, but I'm not sure I'd have time for them. I'm not sure they would have time for me. So maybe this needs to change. Maybe there's something about you, or maybe that some of your relationships is time make a change. And maybe you answer that question and it's rock solid. You've got somebody in your mind that you could call today and say, listen, this has gone wrong. I need your help. And they would, you know, be on the way to the car with the keys out, ready to roll to wherever you are. And if that's the case, that's awesome. That's the way it ought to be. But maybe for some of us, what this reflects is, it's time to pursue the right relationships. It's time to pursue the ones that, yeah, they may cost us something, but the other person is willing to give up enough to make the relationship work. To make the relationship last a lifetime. To be willing to invest in one another. And I think one of the things that we have to ask is, the person that we have in mind there, or maybe there's a two or three, are they following the same path I am? Are they on this path where we're pursuing Jesus? And maybe we haven't invited them to walk that path with us. Maybe it's time to do that, right? Maybe put it off, uncomfortable. It's your friend. How do you talk about these things? But they need to know. Man, if they could walk that path together, how much more healthy would the relationship be? Real friends can be as important as family. The writer is right on there, isn't he? We've seen this dynamic at work. 
Some friends we know are just not as dependable as they need to be. Maybe we're talking about ourselves. But what amazes me is that we look at this wisdom that we find in Proverbs, and he says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, maybe even closer than family. And that's important, and we hear that. We know that's kind of a powerful relationship. But Jesus takes this a whole step further, doesn't he? Over in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. We want to think about friendship. There it is. That's sacrifice. That's the kind of friendship that Jesus offers to us. And that's the kind of friendship that I think maybe not all Christians but some of us finally get to that if our Christian brother or sister were threatened, we would even be willing to lay down our lives for them. That's as close as family and even closer. Let's pray together. God, we pray that you'll bless us with friendships that matter. Relationships that can last a lifetime where we get to share life and enjoy life and be challenged by life and grow because of how you're at work and which path we're taking. God, help us to be good friends. Help us to be the kind of friends who sacrifice for others. God, help us also to find the right friends, put the right people in our paths. And God, we also pray that as we think about our friends, if they're not walking a path that leads to you, help us to have the courage to invite them to walk that path with us. God, we pray it in Jesus' name.